In the wrestling world, the people are represented by two separate but unequally important groups. The wrestlers and bookers, who literally do all the hard work, and the fans, who endlessly nitpick and overanalyze everything they do. These are their stories. Welcome to Raw and Order, the wrestling booking unit, the only wrestling podcast on the planet that admits to doing better on their AEW Revolution predictions than on their college entrance exams. Speaking for myself here. Uh, yeah, I did. I did okay on my college entrance exams and also okay on the <laughs> Revolution predictions. Apparently not as good as somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need seven to seven. Yeah, I nailed it, but I am Detective Mark Smarts, your host, and I'm joined, as always, except for last week, by my partner in crime fighting, District Attorney Vincent K. Fabe. What's going on, man? How are you? I know, but better, obviously. But I'm here. Um, yeah, no crimes per se tonight. I mean, we might still throw in a crime here or there, but this is uh, going to be our recapping and reviewing of AEW Revolution, which took place yesterday. Uh, before we get into that, though, I would like to remind you that Raw and Order WBU is part of the Tatnus Co. Podcast Network. So once you're done listening to this, why not head over to tatnusco.com and check out the other shows in the network, like Tatnus Uncensored, Chicken Hen with SM, and the In the Dice Box Slam. Uh, some great podcasts. Go over there, check them out. Uh, like, share, and subscribe them. And while you're doing that, like, share, and subscribe us as well. But, uh, oh, um, and give um, them also five stars. Yes. Five. Five. Any good wrestling fan knows that reference, especially if you're from the 90s. But, I'm not giving it away, but that's where we're at. But we will uh, get into the recap and review of AEW Revolution. Now, I'm going to say right off the bat, if you have not watched Revolution yet, uh, this will be spoilers because we are going to talk about every match uh, and the, the finish of them. So maybe don't listen to this till after you've watched it. But at the same point, um, if you have not watched Revolution yet, why the hell not? I mean, seriously, go do it right now. Because it's not free. Yeah, find a way, right? Nuts, <laughs> nuts, wink, I, wink, you know, no more. Well, here's the thing. I, I actually watched recaps and, and saw highlights and stuff like that. So I have a really, really good idea of what happened. It, it, it's, it's not only not free here in the States, it's not really reasonable considering that if I lived in England, I could get it for $20 a month. I, I'm still saying where there's a will, there's a way. Find a way. But Ooh, I should get a VPN. You could get a VPN, like NordVPN or I don't know, one of those other ones. They usually have like really aggressive sounding names. Nord? Nord. Nord all, I, all, all I think of is uh, is uh, that character for Domino's back in the 80s and yeah, 90s. Yeah, avoid the noise. I'm retro today. Holy cow. The Noid. Anyway, let's let's get to it. Let's Man, let's we, talk. We will get talk, into uh, it there. Because there's a lot to lot to unpack on Revolution. It was a phenomenal show, um, and I know Seth it. Matches, great show. Yes, probably um, better than WrestleMania will be with 35 matches. Yeah, yeah, definitely better than we've seen from 
uh, the main roster opposition for a while. And don't get me wrong, like Rebel uh, Royal Rumble was a really good show. You go oh, back yeah. and listen to our review of that, and we talked really well about it. You know, we really liked it. Um, but this was better. Just, just see highlights. It was better. Uh, yeah, cats out of the bag on this. This was a a nine point eight out of ten. There were there was in my book. Uh, there were there were a few glitches here and there, and we'll kind of talk about it. But did but you just over- rate it lower than the last NXT than NXT Portland? You gave um, NXT Portland a nine point nine. Well, then maybe this is a nine point nine. I didn't go back and listen to my Portland review, so I didn't remember. This was this was darn near perfect, right? It was just a yeah. few little glitches. Um, but we will simpler get... spots that, that Portland had had glitches. Mm-hmm. They're well, glitches and... almost the same types of matches. Well, and it's it's kind of the same problem that that NXT had when you've got a card so stacked with these just banger matches. The how one in you... the middle is going to be hurt. Yeah, how how do you lay them out so that that you don't overshadow one or and and you just can't. And there's at least one place where that happened on this. Um, well, there's... You want the early pop, so you got to have a good match to start. Mm-hmm. And so it is tough. It's tough being the person who has to follow, say, the Young Bucks versus Hangman Page and yeah. Kenny Omega. And so, but uh, we will start off with the buy-in. Um, and so, you know, of course, they had their normal, like, interview stuff and all of this stuff. But then the only match that was on the buy-in... Uh, was the Dark Order versus SCU. Um, SCU! Um, and, you know, it went basically, I mean, we already mentioned, I went seven for seven on my predictions. Uh, and, uh, I got this too, thanks. Yeah, uh, yeah. You went five for seven, which is still better than average. Um, wow. I just feel like I, I don't remember doing that to you when I had a perfect <laughs> uh, SummerSlam last year, and you were like two out of ten on SummerSlam. I, I don't remember SummerSlam, so it doesn't count. Um, but but oh, no, I can no. hold on to it like you're holding on to this. That's for sure. But so uh, <laughs> so this, but like I said, this went basically the way I expected. Uh, my only the only thing that I didn't like expect or really play into was they teased the Exalted One showing, but the Exalted One did not show. Uh, but Dark Order still got the win, uh, and, you know, kind of like I expected would be. And then afterward, they're beating down on SCU. Uh, we had an appearance by uh, Chicago's own Colt Boom Boom Cabana, uh, who it has since uh, been revealed is signed to AEW. Um, and it's the exalted one. No, no he's not. Yeah. No, no, that doesn't work based on the match. No, but, okay, go on. But he comes out to uh, rescue SCU. Uh, he is signed with AEW. He's going to be doing a little bit of everything, it seems, uh, both in-ring and backstage and announcing. A little bit of commentary would be great. Yeah, he, he's commentated a few times on AEW Dark, or at least once, I think, on AEW Dark. Um, and he's phenomenal at it. And I want more of that. Now... I don't want them to get rid of Taz because Taz is doing phenomenal AEW Dark. Um, I'm I'm kind of wondering if it's not setting some things in motion for the future second show, which may or may not be AEW Dark um, expanded to to television or not. We don't know exactly on that, 
But because um, right now AEW Dark is dark matches filmed at Dynamite, uh, then put on YouTube, and they have Excalibur and Taz doing the commentary now. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't move to uh, a, a Taz and Colt Cabana commentary for that and kept Excalibur just for, you know, Dynamite. Sure. I don't know. That might be a thing. But anyways, so he comes out and uh, is hel- helping out SCU, but the numbers game are against him. And so he starts to get beaten down and then you hear this ominous music and all of the dark order stop and they do their hand up exalted one salute sort of a thing and uh you're like oh is the exalted one here and uh figure comes out in a black cloak with a big hood and you're like oh it's the exalted one and then the cloak comes down and the hood comes down and it's christopher daniels and you're like, is he the exalted one? But then, no, he runs to the ring and he beats up on all the Dark Horse. Um, yay! Yay! So so Christopher Daniels is not the exalted one, which is uh, really what needed to happen for him. He, don't get me wrong, I, I get the idea. He's had a character that's had a long history with uh, gothic imagery, but I didn't want him to be the, the exalted one, so. Well, the, the other thing is, um, by him not being the exalted one, I, at least for this particular wrestling fan, because um, this one was available available to be watched without having to, you know, just check highlights. Um, I'm uh, I've never been a Christopher Daniels fan. Like in my entire wrestling watching career, I've never liked him. Uh, this is the first time I actually kind of liked him. And so mm-hmm. that says something for it too. Um, I mean, he's still Christopher Daniels, and he's still bad gimmick guy for me. Well, and that's uh, what Christopher Daniels always was in a way kind of like you and I have talked about Daniel Bryan. Uh, he's he's a really good, talented, in-ring wrestler, right? Yes. But we've never really liked his gimmick. Uh, no, no I, I mean, to me, he was always a cheap undertaker. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and more so than Abyss was a cheap mankind, which is exactly what Abyss was. Abyss was a better version of mankind, in my opinion. Mick Foley is the best Mick Foley, but Abyss was a better mankind. Um, to expound was... on that, M- mankind, the original character, was supposed to be a dark, you know, Abyss type character, and it did not take mankind very long to introduce Dude Love and bring back Cactus Jack. Well, yeah, I bring back those, and then and then suddenly Mr. Socko, and now he's a comedy character, and anyways, but that's off track uh, from yeah. AEW. So. Well, yeah, and so anyway, that's that's how I've always felt about Christopher Daniels when he was big. It was his first big gimmick was the Fallen Angel, and it was boy, this is a really cheap, really bad Undertaker. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, really kind of uh, weird to watch now is go back and watch old Christopher Daniels matches when he had long hair and a ponytail. Um, Because it, like, I remember those matches. I remember watching them. But I watch them now and I'm like, that's not him. It is him. It is him. But but where did all the hair go? He he does look at that place. Stunning Steve's went, but... But anyway, so uh, for for the buy-in, a very, very good match uh, to start off the crowd hot. 
keep keep the crowds are coming in going. Um, you know, for the first time in a match, the Dark Order looked like the you know cohesive uh, dominant unit that they could be. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It was it, it was the right way to do it, in my opinion. Uh, especially with the exalted one coming, you had to give them the win because their whole gimmick with it is they're trying to get these undercard people to join because we'll teach you how to win. So yeah. Um, but interesting they didn't uh, introduce the exalted one. Uh, all that has done is kept the speculation as to whether Matt Hardy is going to be the exalted one going. And we still don't know. We're recording this Sunday night, our usual recording time, and Matt Hardy still hasn't officially announced one way or another. Well, he did so actually we, announce tonight. Um, I I saw announcements that he was going to announce sometime in the next... He actually announced something where he was announcing the next 24 hours of something. But he didn't say what he was doing, so I don't know. Maybe it's actually I read an article that that said he announced. But let's look it up. Let's let's have your doubts because I don't think he's the exalted one. Actually, no. if I'm gonna make a prediction, I think it's Brody Lee. Um, potentially Brody Lee. Um, I like I said on the previous one, I would much prefer it to be someone that we don't know already, like someone saying. coming in with a good new character that that's not already known but um there was a news article earlier that i read because i i watched his his whole uh thing yeah he he did a video with shorter hair where he talked about these are the events of the next 24 hours and and then he went ringside news Matt, Part- Matt Hardy's WWE contract is up today and writing on midnight tonight he will sign it as a free agent um, Brad Shepard reported that uh, Matt- oh it's Brad, Brad Shepard never mind <laughs> I didn't realize it was Brad Shepard sorry <laughs> but yeah he has this whole thing where he goes through 24 hours of him with delightful Dave Lemon uh, talking about stuff and going on a a trip to the alternate universe uh, through a portal on the Lake of Resurrection and all this stuff. But, um... Yes. But, so, so, I mean, one way or another, his contract is up. Uh, yeah, but he said, and... at midnight, a brand new Thoughts uh, from the Throne will premiere, and I will update everyone on my official WWE contract. So... But he hasn't officially announced it. Eight minutes ago... Thoughts from the throne. Did it come up? Well, that's what I was. I was just on his Twitter. So let's go back to it. Matt Hardy brand. Free uh, the delete season finale. Eight minutes ago. Thoughts from the throne. Twenty six. You talk. I'm gonna listen. I'm just reading the comments because I'm not gonna watch the whole thing. Um, because I'm just because it's all video and so. You know, we might not know. I mean, one way or another, he's he's uh, no longer in WWE. But whether he has signed with AEW, because uh, yeah, five seconds ago, uh, someone voted he's a free agent and he hasn't made a decision. Saved you a view. So he's not signed with anyone, according to. Oh yeah. So, uh, but that once again. This is professional wrestling, so uh, could mean anything. He's keeping some suspense out there. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time someone said, 
you know, I'm a free agent. I haven't signed with anyone. And then all of a sudden they show up on another show. It's been, it, I, I will say that it, um, this is, there is a first on this show. And that is where we made, where one member of our staff uh, made the mistake of, of uh, uh, sourcing Brad Shepard. So yeah. apologies for that. There would have been another one, except for we weren't doing the show yet when you did your sourcing yeah. about a half ago. But yeah, so so he's a free agent. He he hasn't officially announced anything, but you know, like I say, wouldn't be the first time someone said, "I'm not going to AEW," and then suddenly showed up in AEW. I'm looking at you, John Moxley, um, and pretty much anyone else from WWE who's now in AEW, Sean Spears, you know. But uh, but anyways, that was the way I expected that match to, to go, and it's the way it should have gone. So good idea there. Yeah. Um, then we had the official AEW Revolution start when you uh, had Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross come out and join Excalibur on commentary for the main card. We uh, start off with the natural Dustin Rhodes versus Jake Hager, and I'm not going to call him Big Hurt no matter how much he wants me to call him that. <laughs> But, I'm just letting you talk on that one. But um, to me, this was probably one of the downs of the of the night. Um, and I I really missed a lot of the uh, Jack Swagger era WWE that was during my hiatus. And watching this, I I don't miss it. You know, um, I don't feel like I thought I thought it was great in that match. I mean, I thought it was a good match. It was a good match. It just what like they built this thing up for three months, and I I really felt like Dustin carried him to a better match than he'd have gotten. I just I felt like it was a mid card beatdown, but but uh, that's okay because that's kind of what you expect from an enforcer versus a. Uh, but there were other little things. I, like I watched uh, Simon Miller's ups and down on what culture, and he. God. He had a, a down for it, and it was kind of one of the things. It was in the back of my mind why I, I kind of didn't like it, because he ended up submitting Dustin Rhodes with a standing uh, arm triangle, right? And I'm like, yeah, I get it. You're trying to show off his MMA background and all of this stuff, but he's a big power guy, right? He sure. Should, he should end it with a big power move, if you ask. We didn't need to have. Uh, uh, Dustin Rhodes tap out or go unconscious. Um, we didn't need that extra uh, face heat for him. We already had him as a face and Hager as, a, as the heel. We didn't need it. We need. I wanted to see a big power move to end it. And he even hit the gut wrench power bomb, which I know was his finisher in WWE. His signature move. Sorry, Vince. Uh, <laughs> Hey man, is I I know we got the same first and middle names, but the last name you're okay, man. You don't have to apologize to me. Are you talking about? I'm talking about the other Vince. Oh, okay. But so got it. No, no, the other other Vince. <laughs> oh, oh. But but anyways, the exalted um, one before there was an exalted one. It was me, Austin. <laughs> Let's uh, go. Sorry. But I just like that's part of why I was kind of disappointed in this match is I wanted it to be a big man match because he's been billed as the big man uh, in the inner circle. And Dustin Rhodes is not a small man by any means no. either. Uh, 
And it was like, I mean, it was a mid-card beatdown. There wasn't anything bad about it. I'm not saying it was, but it was just kind of a down to me because it it wasn't it wasn't a big hoss battle that I was expecting it to be, right? It also was a bit of a down because I kind of felt like this was one of the matches that was misplaced on the card because I that first match out of the gate on the official pay-per-view, I I thought really should have been a big banger of a match. Um I thought match number two actually which we'll get to next would, would have been better as a match number um fair enough i don't know that's me i'm not saying it was a dud of a match i'm saying out of five stars it was a three and a half um there's another match on this exact same card that's the that's bigs versus bigs and this is the better of the two bigs versus bigs matches but so then we that's move my on. opinion then we move on to uh, Sammy Guevara, the Spanish God, versus Darby Allen, who apparently doesn't need uh, a nickname. He's cool enough by himself. Yeah, um, he is slaying it. Yeah, he's slaying it. And like I said on my uh, predictions uh, blog post, he's red hot. He's absolutely on fire. And there's yeah. no way they weren't going to give him the win on this. Um I was kind of hoping there would be maybe a little bit of a tease from the inner circle of maybe, you know, hey, you need to start winning some. Uh, Because I think that's the story they're going to start telling with Sammy is that, you know, we put you in this inner circle. We were making you a made man. And then all you do is lose. You know, you need to start winning. Well, and, and so on top of that, um, there's there's also something to be said for it's the right time to do it because you can have Jericho make that remark and then Jericho loses and it creates that little bit of animosity mm-hmm. which and spoilers for later in the show apologies but that's the time to do it mm-hmm. and so you know I could just see a little bit more storytelling from this but the match itself was a 5 out of 5 in my book um, oh. and uh, to be perfectly honest, there was one moment on this. I am going to throw out some praise to Sammy Guevara here that um, I don't know if I've heard anyone else say this, but his 630 senton from the top rope is better than Ricochet. And, and I'm saying it again for emphasis. His 630 is better than Ricochet's. And that's not trying to say Ricochet's is bad. Ricochet's, yeah, cri- you got crickets the first time, and I'm going to give you crickets the second time. Ricochet's 630 is really, really good. But every time he does the 630, I don't think his head is going to clear in time for the landing. Yeah, uh, that's that's what makes it look so cool, though. That's what made the, the swanton, which is not at all, th- all that dangerous. The way Jeff Hardy does a swanton versus somebody else doing a swanton, that's what made it look so much more B.A. Swan, Jeff Hardy's head was at an abdomen, and then suddenly his body snapped over just in time to not, you know, break his neck. And and I just disagree when it comes to the the sixth. I don't think I don't think that makes it look more badass, and I don't think it makes it look like it has more impact. I think it makes it look you could maybe say more dangerous. Um, but seriously, I'm watching Sammy Guevara's six thirty, and I actually today sat down and watched like a compilation of 630s of his um and i gotta be honest i bet you he could add another 
half a rotation into that and ended as a splash. And he has he has that much speed in his 630 um, and that much clearance. Um, and that, to me, makes it even more impressive uh, that he has... That's what you're talking, has, it sounds like Guevara won the match. It, it, it sounds like Guevara would, uh, but he didn't. No. Uh, but he hit like a spectacular 630 from the top rope to the floor through a table, um, which was just mind-blowing. And that was before the bell had even rung for the match, right? Yeah. Finally, they get into the ring, and the bell rings, and uh, they start going. And there's submissions, and there's high risks, and there's Spanish flies, and there's a little bit of everything. And uh, Spanish flies are kind of like Canadian destroyers for me. Uh, I think they're a little overused, and they're a little too uh, hard for me to suspend disbelief sometimes. Because well, because you can't do that flip without, I mean... Yeah, you need the other person to do that. Yeah. Canadian Destroyer actually is easier to suspend the disbelief because of the amount of movement. A Spanish fly doesn't even have that level of movement. It's a reverse Russian leg sweep from the top backwards. I mean, with a flip. Well, with a flip, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, but, but Now, you pull that off in the middle of the ring. If they could do a Spanish fly standing like Morrison does a, um, oh, whatever the flip is that he does that um, was, like, super dangerous. And the one that Brock did to, to yeah. Kurt Angle almost snapped his neck. Anyway, mm-hmm. Morrison does that standing on the mat. And I think if he did a Spanish fly that way... Um, I think it'd be kind of a cool move, but up on the top rope, it's obviously a two-person well, move. But, I mean, here, here's the thing. Like, the, to me, it's the opposite with the Spanish fly. I can suspend my beliefs just barely with it, but it does require way too much assistance from the person taking them. I can't do that with a Canadian Destroyer. Every time a Canadian Destroyer happens, I lose the match. I'm out for a moment, you know? Because... And I don't care if it's Adam Cole doing it on his, uh, whatever he calls it, his version, where he jumps off the second rope and then... uh, Adam Cole's is probably the worst, in my opinion, because he lands on his two feet and then he does it. Yeah. It's like, uh, that, that, there's nothing extra there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All of them just take me out of it because uh, my brain just says, oh, you you don't want to get hit by a Canadian destroyer? I don't know. Just don't jump backward, you know. <laughs> or don't do a sunset flip. Yeah, just don't just, ever set up for a sunset flip, and then you won't do. Yeah. You won't land in a Canadian destroyer. Or like I said, just they start to do the sunset flip, and you say no. And and I'm gonna be honest. Uh, the there's a variant on the Canadian destroyer called the Code Red that at least um has me uh, suspend my disbelief a bit on it. And that's because the the code red starts off as a sunset flip, and then they catch the person's legs uh, with or their arms with their legs, and then they basically turn it into a back power bomb, a short sit out power bomb. But that's Canadian, at least somewhat believable. Yeah, somewhat believable because you can be like, oh, their legs caught the shoulders and slammed them down. I get it. But the Canadian destroyer, the person literally has to jump and do a backflip and then land in a pile driver and just don't jump backwards. That's simple. You you know, uh, you don't start a sunset flip. Don't start it. Well, yeah, like like if you're facing Triple H and you throw him into the ropes, don't try to back body drop him. Yeah, it's not going to work. He's going to do that jumping knee to the face thing that he does every time. 
And anyway, um, but so in the end, uh, Darby Allen hit the coffin drop. Uh, so Darby Allen got his vengeance. And that's that move for me is is a is a big mobile man's move, and I don't understand. It looks so much more vicious than it could possibly. Be. Yeah. I think I think I don't, I, I don't know if he just knows how to make himself accelerate faster than 32 feet per second per second. Yes, I actually know this the rate of acceleration of gravity. I, I don't know, but for some reason it just looks so much more impactful than well, just jumping out and falling flat net straight down. And I don't get I it. think so much of it has to do with the trust fall aspect of it, where he basically doesn't even look, you know? And Could so our brains go, he doesn't even care if he hits this. Oh, it must I don't know. And it could but, be the number of times he's done it on the ring apron, the hardest part of the ring. I don't know if you knew that or not. Oh, it um, is. Oh, I should, I should uh, make sure to note that that is the hardest part of the ring. Yes, the apron. Oh, and by the way, in case you didn't know, Britt Baker is a dentist. <laughs> yeah. We didn't have to see her. That was a plus. I mean, seeing her is not bad. Have to or get to. It could be a little bit of both of that. In, in actuality, that probably brings us to probably one of the only downs overall for the show is there was only one women's match. Uh, yeah, yes, but it's, it's not the next title. Is it the next one? No, no. I thought it... It was down, that came... down, it's actually two matches. We'll get to it. Yeah. But the next, the next I one really is... wish there there had been... Like, like frankly, I could have ta- taken uh, the Jake Hager, Dustin Runnels, or Dustin Rhodes... Uh, match out and replaced it with a Hikaru Shida versus Big Swole match, and I would have been happier. My opinion. Yeah, um, I don't blame you. Or or Hikaru Shida versus Shanna, or Hikaru Shida. I I guess what I'm saying is I want. Or the Hikaru fatal four way they have coming this Wednesday, which I I'm gonna go ahead and and throw a crime in on this. Okay. Uh, AEW, you have a limited women's division already. Why have there been more multi-person matches in the women's division than there are in the men's division? Oh, yeah, because you don't... It almost feels... I'm going to sound a little bit political here, and I don't want to, but it almost feels like they, they, they're just trying to throw a women's division in. And, oh, yeah, we got these wrestlers. We got to have them in. So let's just put them into a match. It, it feels so WWE mid-card. It's not even funny in the women's division. Well, in a way, I think you're hitting it on the head. That's exactly what's happening. Because aside from Nyla Rose, who's got a character, uh, and Chris Statlander, who's got a really big character sort of thing, uh, what what is Riho's character? Tiny girl. She she's a, a Japanese tiny girl. Girl. Tiny. Tiny. Uh, what it tiny. what is what is uh I like Big Swole Shanna. Has a character. I like Shanna, but what's her character? Yeah, she doesn't have a character. She's a Big she wears S- Dragon Ball Z related costume. I would say Big Swole has a character. It just happens to be Bianca Belair's character as well. well um, and Big Swole has a character, but it hasn't developed very much. But no. I could go down the list of like what what's uh Hikaru Shida's uh, character. Yeah, I mean, aside, I love Hikaru Shida, but yeah, her character is she's a Japanese girl. Yeah, um, and I, and I love her. I think she's a phenomenal wrestler. She's probably number one or two in my uh, AEW women's division uh, right now. But her character is she's a Japanese woman. 
Uh, what is Yuka Sakazaki's character? Same. Japanese girl. What is, um, I'm trying to think of some of the others. We haven't seen any of Sadie Gibbs. Britt Brit Baker. Uh, she's a dentist. Did you know that? Oh, she, she is? She is a dentist. Like an actual dentist? Like an a medical dentist. doctor dentist? Yes. Yeah, I didn't. I, I feel like a that's a gimmick. Know, a lot of people don't know that, but she's a dentist. That's Are you why... sure that's not just a gimmick? Nope. It is It is real. <laughs> I've done real. Wow. It's why her finisher, she grabs the person's jaw because, you know, dentist. Okay, fair enough. Um, okay, but we'll get to talk more about women. But, but yes, yeah, I don't Mel, blame Mel, for wanting to see another women's match in this. I, I just would have liked another women's, but they need to invest some time in developing character uh, for the yeah, women. Here's the thing: the the men, the men had the battle royal in the very first pay per view as a company, mm -hmm. which gave us characters, several characters. It gave us Orange Cassidy. Yeah. Uh, and then they had a bunch of guys came, come on that already had characters. Mm -hmm. um, Hangman Page already has a character. Uh, Cody obviously already has a character. MJF has had the time to get a character. In addition to that paper, that that uh, uh, the all-in buy-in, I think was what it was. Mm -hmm. The buy-in battle royal. Um, so we've had these characters developed in the men's stuff and i think maybe part of the reason we don't have very many characters in the women's is because we don't have enough women um, you know and we started out with trying to feature a woman who i, I don't want to say it she was a she's a she's a medical <laughs> she's, she's a dentist that was um, our strongest well yeah and and like it's i don't i don't want to knock on Britt baker but i think they tried to pin their hopes for the whole division on Britt baker and I don't think she was ready yet for it. No. And um, I, frankly, they had a phenomenal character uh, in Kylie Ray. And uh, Kylie I Ray, for personal reasons, apparently decided uh, to back out and and go away. Um, I think they've been hunting for a face since she left. Yeah. And I think that kind of, you know, they're like, oh, let's put all our eggs on the Britt Baker basket. And that didn't work. And then they, they tried to give a character to Brandy Rhodes, uh, but... Which was sort of working, and then they went too far with it. Well, and here's the deal. Is I think I think the character was was fine. I think it was the wrong time for it, because, it, like you said, it sent mixed signals. She's a, a heel, but her husband's the biggest or second biggest face in the company, you know... Yeah. What's what's the what are we supposed to think there? Uh, and and I get it. They they want to do this thing where uh, Brandy is not tied to Cody. Um, but as long as you share the same last name and that's part of your gimmick, then you will always be tied together, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and maybe always, even if they don't have like like I'm gonna throw out a name and. Uh, I guarantee you, you will think of one wrestler first and then another wrestler second as soon as I say this name, Miss Elizabeth. Yep. Boom. You immediately thought of Macho Man and then Hulk Hogan. Uh, oh, I actually thought of Elizabeth than, than Macho Man, but it's still, it was a character. Because I guess technically she wasn't a wrestler, so if, if you gave me a little more time and said, no, just male wrestlers, I'd, yeah, there's two there. Yeah. But, when you um, think of Brandy, you think of Cody. Yeah. 
And so they they will always be tied together. So you, you might as well embrace it. Um, and if you want her to be a heel, she has to become a heel by turning on Cody. Uh, okay, that's not a bad idea. That That's kind of the only way you can go with it. But that's not neither here nor there. That's fantasy booking, and we're not really doing that. I just... I would have liked to have seen another women's match on this pay-per-view. Yes. Um, and there was. Well, and and so one other thing that got murdered early on, because this was a storyline that I was excited for, remember, um, in the women's division. I was loving the Alley versus Brandy. Mm-hmm. I yep. was loving that. And then when Brandy had the big group, I was like, yeah, attack Alley. Because Alley's got persona but no character yet and well now she does and mm -hmm. it's a garbage bunny character um I, I butcher blade and bunny all three just made me want to vomit <laughs> and i'm not to there on them yet i like the butcher and blade i think my problem is you have a person in alley who is relatively skilled as a wrestler and you put her in a position where she's effectively a valet yep. and uh, you've already got a relatively she's a manager not a valet you have to give her that she's a... she does funny. get involved either way she's still she should be one of the centerpieces of the women's division oh absolutely not she should be the number one necessarily in it because um, she was the number one in Impact Wrestling for a while, and I think she still needs some polish before she's number one. But she definitely could be number three, four, or five, you know? Yeah, I think she's up there with... with I think her in-ring skills are as good as Shanna's. Um, I think... Uh, obviously, I, I really do think the two women that performed um, Saturday night are the one and two in that division in terms of enjoyability, in terms of character development, in terms of watching them in the ring. Um, I enjoyed Shanna versus Chris Statlander last week. Uh, was that last week or two weeks ago? Doesn't really matter. Um, I enjoyed all of those, but at some point we've got, you're right, we have to have, we have, to have people that, that we can hate or love. Nyla's really close to being good at being hateable. Mm -hmm. She's not quite Awesome Kong yet. Um, but she's really close to being good enough to be hateable. But like, you know, when we're talking about characters, Mel from the the former Nightmare Collective, uh, yeah. what's her character? Uh, she's shaved head girl, which makes even less <laughs> sense now that yeah, there's not a Nightmare Collective. <laughs> just fell apart. Um, yeah, what we should have, and you could develop something there. We should have a rivalry between her and and Brandy. You were my meal ticket pissed off that yep. that she stopped that. That's an okay storyline to do with the Nightmare Collective. Or, uh, you know, hey, you were supposed to lead us to the promised land and and you couldn't do it. You know, you could make her the heel that turned on Brandy, you know. And, yeah. And we, you were supposed to lead us and you couldn't do it, so I'm taking control. Anyways, once again, that's fantasy booking. Let's get back to a revolution. Yeah. Uh, uh, we did not take our Ritalin today, so... so I'm pacing around like a madman on, well... I, the next match. Feel, I feel like Willie, because you know Willie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Um, anyway, moving forward. Young Bucks versus Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page uh, for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. Um, Can I just... This uh, was... Three letters, one word... Wow. Yeah. This this Just match freaking wow. Storytelling from beginning to end. 
Yes, storytelling, match in the match, outside the match, for the future, everywhere. Um, this is I why they're called the elite. There is a reason uh, that they got to where they are, and anyone who says that the young bucks can't tell a story in a match uh, needs to shut up after this match because they told Jim the Cornette. story. Uh, this is looking at you, Jim Cornette. I, I I no longer think they're just spot monkeys. Yes, they are still spot monkeys, but my lord, that was a match yeah. and a story being told. Yeah, Mexico, they told. In fact, it ended differently than I kind of expected. I expected a full-on Hangman Page heel turn where he just went off on the Young Bucks and and murdered them. Uh, to win, and then Kenny Omega being kind of torn. I'm still tag champions with Hangman Page, but you know those are my friends that he just destroyed. And where are my allegiances now? Um, and they, they teased it. They they did a little bit of, but in reality, through the, the storytelling the of the match, the Young Bucks played the heels most of the match. Absolutely. Uh, and there were a few points like. Uh, Hangman Page putting, I think it was Matt Jackson through the table on the outside. Um, you know, there there were some heel moves from uh, from Hangman Page, but not enough to to have him be the heel. Um, but the match just was, like I said, balls to the wall. Uh, it did not stop. It told the story. Uh, the story towards the end was uh, they were working over. Uh, Kenny Omega's shoulder uh, so much that he tried to put them up and uh, put uh, I think it was Nick Jackson in the end tried to put Nick Jackson up in for the one wing angel and he couldn't get his shoulder up to grab uh, Jackson's head and bring him down into the move and uh, so Nick Jackson was able to squeeze out of it and try to mount a comeback Uh, the Young Bucks actually hit Kenny Omega with the golden V-trigger. Yes. uh, Which uh, was kind of a callback for fans of Kenny Omega's previous work uh, when he was with... um, Them. Well, with them, but also with... um, And I'm totally blanking on his name right now in New Japan. Uh, It's going to bug me that I can't remember his name. Anyways, doesn't matter. Uh... And so um, they, uh, Megan Page did hit the the buckshot Larry V trigger combo, which I I'm torn on that move because it looks vicious, but at the same point it also kind of looks not vicious. Um, I, what I wish it looked more like is uh, Undisputed Era's uh, finisher, um, Kyle O'Reilly and, and uh, Bobby Fish have where one of them goes high and one of them goes low. And it's yeah. just, um, but because they're both going high, that's where I kind of get a little tied up on it. Because in the end, you know, Paige comes in with the buckshot lariat, but the person's head can't go anywhere because he's getting kneed in the back of the head from the other side. And so it just kind of stops. Correct. Um, but uh, a big moment at the end when... Hangman Page hit the one-winged angel on Matt and uh, almost got the three count, but Nick Jackson jumped in and sit- and made the save. And uh, But in the end, Buckshot Lariat 
scored the pin on Matt. And then at the end, they teased maybe a heel turn from Hangman, but it didn't happen. Uh, so that's still a storyline that they're going to tell. I imagine the the storyline is going to happen um, whenever they lose the tag belts, right? Yeah. They're going to lose, and then Hangman is just going to go nuts on Kenny Omega, and that's going to set up that feud, uh, which will be a great feud. So. Yeah. As of right now, though, that's a tag team match. Yeah, that that was phenomenal. Um, five out of five, uh, maybe even six out of five. I'm gonna I'm gonna Meltzer and give this more stars than it can get. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, and here's here's the other thing to keep in mind because we just kind of dogged AEW for their women's division. We're about to again, mm-hmm. um, best tag division in all of wrestling. Yes. So. Doing, you're doing something else incredibly well, um, though you're failing. I don't, I don't want to say failing, though you're struggling mm-hmm. with uh, the women's division. Um. So moving on to the women's division match, Chris Statlander versus the native beast Nyla rose for the aw women's world championship um and here's where i take a step back and i give this match a little bit of slack and it simply comes down to this i mentioned it in uh my blog predictions blog right uh chris statlander got pulled from a bar wrestling event that was supposed to be i think thursday night because of illness um i think they said the flu so uh, any of you out there who've had the flu know that you don't get over the flu in two days. No. Um, even if you're feeling better, you still have ill effects of it. The flu knocks you on your ass, and it can take a week or two to get back to 100%. So that's where I give them a little bit of slack, because I have a feeling that Chris Statlander was powering through uh, not feeling very good at all. That being said, this was by far the weakest match of the night uh, and really had some some really bad moments. Um, There was one point where they were uh, on one of the ring uh, corners and they were going for some sort of top move, like a top rope powerbomb or something. And I'm trying to remember exactly how it happened, but I think uh, Nyla tried to step on one of the ropes and missed, and they just kind of crumpled to the ground. And I feel like, to be perfectly honest, I feel like that was supposed to be the ending. That was supposed to be the finish, that Nyla was going to uh, hit her with some big move, uh, but they crumpled down. And so then they went back and they tried it again later. Uh, Nyla uh, ended with the Avalanche Beast Bomb for the victory. So um, it was still, uh, you know, this wasn't the Bellas versus... No, by no means. And I don't think anybody would claim that this was was the future Hall of Famers. Yeah, but it also wasn't uh, Charlotte versus Becky or... Uh, Charlotte versus Sasha, you know. This this probably lands in in Naomi versus Natty. Yeah, possibly. Like it's not, and and that's not an insult to um, my future wife Nyla. Um, that's uh, it's just not the 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 
I, I have to agree with you. I think Chris Statlander was still ill. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, yeah. I mean, what do you do? You've been advertising and building up this Statlander versus Nyla Rose match for the title at the pay-per-view. Do you pull her and put someone else in uh, last minute? Uh, well, then you've got the fans going, no, bait and switch. We want to see Chris Statlander. Uh, we... So-and-so doesn't deserve a title shot. Doesn't matter who they put in. Shanna or Hikaru Shida or whoever, you know, they'd be like, Chris Statlander deserved that shot. So well, here, Herein lies the issue, though, with, with saying that. Because that's... I think you could have, because of the stat... Uh, the the st- current status of the women's division in AEW. I think there was room to do that because... It's not a well-developed division. Well, and what you do is you film an angle backstage where Nyla Rose beats up Chris Statlander. Yeah. Right. And and Chris Statlander can't make the match because she got powerbombed through an autograph table uh, at the meet and greet earlier in the day or whatever, right? Yeah. And so an emergency replacement had to be brought in. Uh, and it's Big Swole. Yeah. Or or you make it a triple threat. You put Big Swole and Shanna in it, or whatever. And and you still have Nyla win, but now she looks like a beast because she beat two people instead of just one. Well, and it, it also gives you a, a solid third person or fourth person or whatever position you're going to put them in as the... You, because you don't have to... You don't have to take the loss to get the win. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like she didn't have to actually beat somebody. Nyla wouldn't have even had to had to win that. Big Swole could have been elevated because she was the one who did something amazing to Shanna. Shanna could have been elevated because she took a beating from those two larger women. I don't want to call them big because they're they're like there's not a there's not a huge woman in AEW. Um, you know, no no Nia Jax size woman um, in AEW. Much better wrestlers on the big women front. Um, and uh, so I, I just think as a whole, you have you have a, a much better I don't know, I that that division needs good matches. Nyla can give you good matches. She gave us good matches with a really tiny girl in, in Riho twice. Um you know, we, we can get good matches out of that division and we can develop characters because we have one real... I think Nyla Rose is a really good character right now. So, um, anyway, moving forward. Yeah, it was it was a weak overall match and, and I would agree. I think it's because... However, at one point, I thought Statlander was going to kill herself. When she did the dive towards Nyla, Nyla sidestepped it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought she was going to catch herself on the ropes, on that second rope. I was like, oh my gosh, you're going to die. <laughs> they don't do that. Yeah. Um, you know, like I say, this was a low point. However, I, we're still talking like a 2.5 or 3 out of 5. You know, it was not a bad match. It just was not a great match. No. Um, we finally then moved to MJF versus Cody. Uh, uh, you know, the match that we've been waiting for for months uh, through cage matches and whippings. Um, MJF finally in the ring with Cody. Cody could finally actually touch MJF. And this was a great match. 
uh, it was great storytelling. It was it was back to Cody's more old school storytelling, right? We mentioned earlier how great the the tag match was and how good the storytelling was. That was definitely new school to- storytelling. This was more old school, um, but it still was was just really well done. Uh, back and forth, both people just out for blood, literally. Uh, Cody uh, breaking MJF open, so MJF was bleeding uh, for most of the match. Um, just going back and forth, but like there were some great little moments. Cody, of course, after the match with Wardlow, and it was announced that he'd fractured his toe, but he was still cleared to wrestle. Um, I speculated how much of that was, was storyline and how much of that was real. I do believe he actually fractured his toe, but the fact that they even mentioned it was definitely a storyline because it led to... Uh, MJF biting a toe. Yeah, MJF pulling his shoe off, exposing the wrapped up foot with the with the wrapped up toe and actually biting it at one point in the match um, to uh, inflict pain. And I'm going to go ahead and say that that doesn't fit MJF's character. That was the um, only part of that that upset me. Biting like, the toe, I yeah, I'm I kind of agree. Um, there were later moments where he stacked on his foot that fit the character a little bit better. Yeah, the biting, but at the same point, like I probably would have liked it better if if Cody had MJF in some sort of a hold and MJF grabbed his foot and bit to get out of the hold because that's a cheat to win sort of tactic. Uh, this was just a inflict pain tactic, but either way. Which, inflict pain is part of his character. Inflict pain by demeaning yourself and putting a mouth on a foot doesn't, I don't think, fit that character. That's, I don't know, that just doesn't seem in character for a pretentious... Um, so we didn't ever seen Ric Flair styling, profiling, and biting toes. You know, and that, and MJF probably the closest thing to a modern Ric Flair. Um, the ending came. Cody let his ego and quest for vengeance get the better of him. He gave two crossroads, and he was trying to give the third one. And MJF was able to uh, hit him with the diamond dynamite ring, um, which is still a stupid name for a ring. Um, and and frankly. Like, I get it. It's a weapon, sort of. But, I mean, we're not talking brass knuckle. Anyone who's been punched in a street fight probably has been punched by someone with a ring on, right? Um, It's not brass knuckles. It's not wrapping your fist in chains or something. It's not even holding a roll of quarters. It's a ring on one finger. Um, But but they played it off like it was a weapon of mass destruction and uh, Cody out in the ring. And MJF got the win. What that definitely means is this feud is not over. Um, um, I don't think they're going to continue it right away. I think they're going to have a storyline of Cody kind of licking his wounds, trying to figure out what he needs to do, uh, probably feuding with some other people. But the entire time, MJF continues to taunt Cody about how I beat you, um, how you still can't go after the the, the title belt. Um and I think I think you even uh, pitched it at one point on a fantasy booking. the The storyline to tell is MJF 
winning the belt down the road and uh, taunting Cody that that you can't ever challenge for it. And then at some point, maybe even getting cocky and saying, you know what? I'm so confident I can beat you that I'll even put the belt on. And that that's how Cody gets into the belt. Um, but I do think we've got months, if not year, before that. I think yeah. we'll have at least two papers before we have a rubber match with MJF and Cody. I agree. So, so moving on to what some people might consider the surprise of the night. Uh, you and I were not surprised by it, but some people... I'm but sure. the talking heads, I was surprised at the number of them that were surprised by it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Pac or Pack. I'm not sure how it's officially pronounced because I hear it both ways every time someone says it. Um, versus Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy's first actual match. He's made appearances in other matches. He's uh, interfered or rescued people in other matches, but this was his first actual match in AEW. Um, and it went the way you and I knew it would go. Uh, it started off with comedy as Orange Cassidy tried to keep his hands in his pockets and Pac wouldn't have anything to do with that. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, but it, it's, it's the way it is. They even had uh, the, the sloth kicks uh, in the middle and it was really funny because Pack was like, what the hell are you? And, and so then he started giving the sloth kicks back uh, for a moment, which I give Pack a ton of credit for that. Uh, Pack knows what's going on. He knows what's, what's up, right? And the simple fact is Orange Cassidy is probably about as red hot as Darby Allen is. Um, and anyone who can get that sort of pop from the crowd is who's that over with the crowd is doing something right. And I don't care if you're a fan of old school wrestling or new school or this or that. The simple fact is wrestling is all about getting reaction from the crowd. And if you're getting that reaction, you're doing it right. Period. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kid does it and does it well. And because and we know uh, the way that it goes, uh, Orange Cassidy eventually uh, kicks on the afterburners and and goes and he can go with the best of them um and i think i and think that really wasn't an eventually thing he does that early when he tries yeah. to put his hands back in his pocket and pack sold that unbelievably well he uh, sold everything in that match well but that's the deal is like a lot of people mistakenly think orange cassidy's gimmick is that he he doesn't have to like his kicks still hurt even though they look really weak that's not his gimmick and Pac showed that in this. His gimmick is that he, he's good at wrestling, but he wants to put out the absolute minimum effort, right? right. Uh, and and his effort will increase with the amount of effort he needs, right? <laughs> if it he is could the... pin someone by just kicking them in the shins, then he'll win the match by kicking them in the shins, right? But if he has to pull out the tilt-a-whirl uh, backbreaker or or tilt a world um, DDT that he does he does that right and he can go with almost the best of them uh, and there were still some great comedy moments uh, Pac going up for the black arrow but Orange Cassidy rolling all the way across the ring to get out and Pac jumping down and walking over and meeting him at the other side and Orange Cassidy looking and smiling and rolling 
bowling the other direction to get away with them. So there was still great humor parts to it, but it also was still a great wrestling match, right? I'm not giving this a six star, but it was a four star, you know? Well, and, and in terms of storytelling, it was yeah. probably a five star. Four uh, and a half. Four point yep. three. Uh, Orange Cassidy pulling out the Superman punch, uh, doing the diving DDT, all of this, all of this stuff, even hitting the air raid crash. Um, Lucha Bros coming out. I I guarantee you, uh, within the next two weeks, we see a Pack and Lucha Bros versus best friends match. In triples? Yeah, in in six man. I guarantee you, right? Uh, But in the end, Pack hit the brutalizer on Orange Cassidy, and Orange Cassidy submits. the way that it should go. Because you still have Pac, who's a monster and uh, supposed to be one of the best wrestlers in the league. He has to be the one who wins. But Orange Cassidy still can look strong in this match. And I think he did. And I think a lot of people now understand Orange Cassidy a bit better. I think that was the goal in this, was who is this guy? Just, I mean, there, you have to remember, not everybody was so pumped for AEW that they watched it the, when it first came out. Um, that's actually where you and I fell in love with Orange Cassidy. We didn't even know who the guy was. He came in as the 22nd entrance in a, 20, in a 21-man battle royal. Um, does some of the, the shin kicks and the, the super kick to, I think it was Tommy Dreamer. Tommy Dreamer. And then gets thrown out of the ring, you know? Like, who is this guy? This is fantastic. And we, I mean, we see uh, hands in pockets kip up. We see him leave the shades on the whole time. When he gets thrown out, we see him get thrown out. Um, Land will roll up to his feet pretty easily. Still hands in pockets. And you and you immediately see the, the athleticism that isn't a guy who can leave his hands in the pockets the whole time. And it sounds silly, but that's respectable yeah now um anyone out there listening who hasn't taken the time to go out and look up some orange cassidy matches outside i'm gonna recommend uh one that i don't even know if da fabe has watched yet um one of my favorite indie wrestlers um and uh he is actually my favorite wrestler's favorite wrestler david Starr. uh has a match against orange cassidy that it's great. David Starr is phenomenal. David Starr could be a star in AEW. He is at least currently very committed to doing what he can for independent wrestling. Uh, so he's not going to sign with a major label right now. But he is really, really good at what he does. And he has a match with Orange Cassidy that is phenomenal. So... Uh, Orange Cassidy also has a match with Kylie Ray that uh, DA Fabe and I have both watched and love. Um, but if you if you just that go on to YouTube, match that is the best uh, mixed match ever in history, in my opinion. It's that good. It might be up there. Um, if you just go onto YouTube and search Orange Cassidy full match, you'll get a dozen or two dozen matches that you can watch, and pretty much every single one of them is worth watching. Um, even his comedy matches are still great. There's a match, him versus Colt Cabana, that the entire first half of the match is based off of Orange Cassidy trying not to spill his beer while wrestling. Uh, and it's it's phenomenal. And Colt Cabana can do comedy matches with the best. So it was a great match. But that is not AEW directly. So we will move on to the main event. 
this has uh, this one. This matches between. Uh, uh, oh my heavens! My brain just stopped completely working. Chris Jericho, wow, Chris La Champion, Chris Jericho, and yeah, Moxley. I still want to get that T. By the way, <laughs> I, I want to get you that T-shirt. That T-shirt but... is. Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember how many O's I put into on my uh, blog post, but it was it was at least twenty, I think. Uh, but but yeah, it it was the main event. It was it felt big fight. It felt like what should be the main event. Uh, there is a huge, huge internet argument back and forth as to whether the championship match should always be the main event. Um, and and some people fall on one side, some people fall on the other side. Uh, some people, you know, make the, the statement that the world championship match should always be the main event. I fall under the argument that... Um, the best match should be. The, the best match or... or should I say the most hyped match should the be most the most invested event. match? Yes. Yeah, most invested match should be. Now, if you're doing your booking right, that should almost always be the world championship match. Um, but it is not always right. If you had Rock versus Stone Cold, uh, in the, at the height of of Attitude Era, and neither of them had the belt, but it was going to be Rock versus Stone Cold at WrestleMania. That's the main event. I don't care who has the belt. Rock versus Stone Cold main events, right? Um, now, once again, if you're booking things right, you put your belt on one of your two biggest stars. So when you have your two biggest stars facing, it is for the belt. But if they are not the belt holders, but they are the biggest draws, then that is your main event, period. Um, and and the argument on, on that side simply comes down to this. Your main event is all about what sells the most tickets, right? Correct. Um, and if two jabronis fighting over the world championship doesn't sell as many tickets as two big names fighting, then the two big names fighting are the main event. Um, you should probably think about why you've got a jabroni holding your world championship, but... <laughs> Sorry. I was... But it, I was just thinking back to the world title uh, WWE Championship a few years ago. Sorry, yeah. about a year and a half. But so, and that's the deal is like, you know, if if your biggest star is not your world champion, or at least in the running for your world championship, then you're doing something wrong. I would argue. Um, what if you spend 170 days with the modern day Maharaja? As yeah, the that is a perfect example of doing something wrong. Um, <laughs> Prince Bakney uh, can uh, can turn over the belt to someone else uh, to main event. I, I consider it an insult to use even the term Prince now because somebody who we both like is using that terminology. True, true. So. But uh, now I, I will um, take a moment to step out of kayfabe on this. And I am giving uh, Le Champion, Chris Jericho, a ton of props right now. Um, not directly related to this match, but earlier in the week, a fan on Twitter posted some fan art that he had done. And it was a play on 
uh, Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction uh, uh, album art with the inner circle spaces replacing uh, the skulls and stuff that were on the Appetite for Destruction album art. And then it said inner circle, right? And so it was this fan art that got a lot of popularity. A lot of people really liked it, including Le Champion himself, Chris Jericho. He then contacted the artist, the fan who made it, uh, got that person in touch with Pro Wrestling Tees, who uh, made an agreement with him, uh, and they're now producing those shirts. Uh, and that fan is making something off it. I don't know the terms of deal, um, but that is phenomenal PR, just in general. But it says a lot about the company just in general, that they are open to the idea of taking fan art and turning it into an actual t-shirt uh, rather than ripping off fan art um, or just doing something similar to it. Like, I don't want to bash on WWE, but in WWE, if they saw someone do that sort of fan art, that fan wouldn't get contacted, but I bet you within six months, there would be a t-shirt that would be relatively similar to that design up on shopwwe.com. Yep, and, and they do just enough to not be illegal. Just enough to be uh, different, but but AEW and Chris Jericho were like, let's this guy did some phenomenal work, let's license it from him, pay him some sort of money, um and sell the t-shirts. And I don't know if he's getting a cut of the sales or, or if he's getting just a flat rate up front. Uh, but in the end, it doesn't matter. I mean, there's still a business. They're trying to make money, but they're also uh, just really good at PR, to be perfectly honest. Um, and that's just phenomenal. But then to take it a step further, uh, Chris Jericho's entrance to this was performed by a fan who posted a version of her singing his entrance song, Judas, um, which was, of course, is from his band, Fozzy. Um, she posted... The licensing was really easy here, by the way. <laughs> what was that? Licensing was really easy here. Yeah. For this, it was really easy. He owned all that. But she posted a video of her singing it. He called her up and said, hey, any way you could get a choir together uh, to perform my entrance uh, in Chicago... Uh, she's a Chicago native, I believe. She called up some of her friends who were theater people with her and put that together. So that uh, choir singing on stage were AEW fans, not performers hired or some random band that paid AEW money to be out there. Um, I'm looking at you, uh, NXT, using Poppy for freaking everything. Um <laughs> It was it was it was really well done, and just a perfect example of how AEW knows how to uh, PR themselves as the good guy company. And you know, yeah, I get it. They're a business; they're trying to make money. Uh, but the best way to make money is get fans on your side, and they're doing it right. So, um, the match itself was basically what we expected from a Chris Jericho versus John Moxley match, right? Chris Jericho. Um, has always been one of the greatest in-ring workers. Um, yes, he is getting up there in in age in terms of wrestler age, right? He can't necessarily do the sort of five-star Meltzer matches that he was once capable of doing, 
Um, but he's evolved. And so he's able to do these a little bit more vicious matches that include, uh, you know, work outside, powerbombing through timekeepers' tables, things like that, uh, and still look like a badass, right? Um, it in- included distractions and interference like you expect from an inner circle match, um, which played into the storyline and made it all so much more sweet when Moxley was able to triumph in the end, which he was. Uh, you know, they, they even had a part where, uh, you know, uh, Aubrey Edwards was distracted uh, trying to get the rest of the inner circle out, right? Trying to eject them from the ring. And uh, Sammy Guevara runs in uh, and hits Moxley with the championship belt. And you think, oh, that's going to be it. That's going to be how they win. But no, Moxley kicks out. Uh, And in the end, Moxley pulls off the eye patch to show that his eye has been healed the entire time. Hits the paradigm shift, gets the three count. Your winner and new world champion, John Moxley. Do you think we can get... um... Justin on this, not LeBlanc, but Justin, just, Robert. yeah, Roberts to come on the show and just, you know, maybe we can get the exclusive interview that made him decide to do. John. I don't know. Just I would like, just love to get him to say our our podcast name just once. And order. I I uh. Are lucky to just be like, oh yeah, I'll record that for you. Raw and Order WBU. Yeah, you're listening to Raw and Order WBU. Next. Hey, thanks, Roberts. <laughs> but uh, afterwards, John Moxley got on the mic and said he's he's not gonna shy away from any challenge because you know that's the babyface way to win. You win and you say hey, the old guy, the heel, wouldn't fight people. He hung onto this belt by not fighting people. I'm going to fight whoever comes my way. I'm going to be a fighting champion. Uh, uh, but then he said, now I'm going to go get drunk, basically. Uh, but it was a great finish, great way to finish the, the show, and no complaints. No complaints whatsoever about this match. No, no complaints about the show as a whole. No. But that match was... Well, yeah, I guess it's kind of what you expect from two of the two of the top in the industry right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so. so yeah, so like I said, all in all, we don't typically like rate the shows. Like we throw out five point nine or nine point nines or whatever, but we don't have like a standardized score chart sort of a thing. But this was about as perfect overall as you can get. The only you know, one that really brings it down is the Chris Statlander match, which, like I say, I give it a little bit of a pass because I am relatively certain she wasn't the great. Uh, I wish that they were in a position where they felt comfortable, uh, you know, switching up that match, but I get it why they didn't want to switch up the match last minute. It was a much well, higher match. And, and card subject to change is a... Uh is a pet peeve right now for wrestling fans, which it shouldn't be unless it's, hey, we're going to hype these guys so we can get yeah. ticket sales. If it's used properly, as in, 
hey, something went wrong and this person can't wrestle, so we have to change the match. Card subject to change should be fine. But the problem that fans have come into is too often WWE has at least been accused of card subject to changing for the sake of trying to sell more tickets, right? Correct. Pitch, Rock making an appearance, and then uh, never even contact Rock about making an appearance, and then card subject to change, he didn't make it, right? Sort of a thing. Or Pitch Rock making an appearance and live via satellite from Miami, Florida. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but yeah, it, it was it was a great show. I was hyped the entire night, um, and I have absolutely no real complaints for it. So it gets uh, an absolute A plus from me overall. Um, like I said, we're not really going to do a ton of crimes and everything. There was one crime from earlier this week, though, against AEW that I did want to throw out before we wrap this up tonight. And it's from Dynamite last week. And I'm charging AEW with going to the uh, inner circle, powerbombing someone through the stage well a bit too often. Um, you know, they've been doing Dynamite for like seven or eight months now, right? Uh, and there's and, at least four episodes that that's happened on. Yes, and it's always the same part of the stage, too, I want to point out. It's always just... Edge right by the ramp. Yep, right by the ramp on, if you're looking up the ramp, the left side, right in, in front of where the announce tables are at. Um, oh, no, a couple times it's been on the other side. Proud and um, Powerful's first, I think, was on the other side. They, they, did, they did two on that one. They did one in this exact... Oh, one-on-one plot. On one okay, yep. They, did another one on the other side because they couldn't do a second one but they've yeah. done at least three on this side if not four and it's always like and i specifically remember this because every time they did it up until this uh i think it was santana would then sit down on the side of the stage and look down at the person crumpled up in in a heap but it's it's one of those that moment i mean they're running the risk of it becoming the Spanish announce table, sort of a joke, right? Yeah. Um, and I get why they do that. I mean, I get it's it's Miz and Shane doing the scaffolding where they did it. We can hide the the, the padding, whether it's boxes or whatever it may be. We can hide that stuff that's keeping these people safe. But <laughs> it, it is it's a residual location. It's a residual mm-hmm. issue. And so um, if I think if, it works with that. going to continue. Yeah. If they're going to continue powerbombing someone through the stage, they need to start working on different parts of the stage. Um, period. Right? I think the better choice is to find different parts of the arena that you can powerbomb someone through an area. Yes. Um, like, if you're uh, doing it in an outdoor arena, like a, a baseball field, uh, you, you make uh, a table... Uh, something on top of one of the dugouts, right? So you drag that person up there and then you powerbomb them through the roof of the dugout and they're not really going down and uh, things like that. But I just saw that uh, this week and I was like, oh, really? That that old shtick again? Um, and it's almost always Brandon Cutler too, by the way. Uh, and so, I mean, the dude knows how to take a powerbomb. I get it. But find a different place to do it once or twice. Um, yeah, unfortunately, once it was um, some iconic uh, old guys in the Rockers. Yeah. Yes, there was that time too. <laughs> so, God, 
let's not give people heart attacks by attacking men who are in their 60s. Yeah. Hey, they were NWA tag champion at the time. Ugh. Let's not put the titles on men who are in their 60s. Yeah. Or if we're going to do it, do it with, you know, a tag team partner like Batista. That happened. Anyways, on that note, I think we'll wrap up for this episode. Um, You know, it was a great... I kind of want to get one WWE thing in. Okay. This is just a crime, and I don't want to talk too much about it, but um, the crime is something we've talked about numerous times, and so I'm going to encourage WWE to listen. If, if Vince, if you've listened to all of our bad ideas, which you have, please sure listen seems to like it. One. Please listen to this very, very good one. I, I'm going to take a moment really quickly to apologize to everyone for going Because it was your bad idea. <laughs> that was my bad idea. And you know where this is going. Don't put the title back on The Fiend, at least for two or three years. Yep. The Fiend doesn't need the title. We said he didn't need the title before you gave him the title, and you still gave him the title. And then you booked yourself into a corner where now you want to put the title on someone else that you like, but you know that uh, no one is going to cheer Roman Reigns beating the feet, period. Um, And I think the problem is uh, a lot based on you not understanding crowds right now that I don't care how badass you try to make the fiend he in the eyes of the crowd is not a heat correct crowd react to him as a face correct and so uh you put them on him and you're treating him like a heel and you want your biggest face to beat him but you know that anyone who tries to beat him will be booed so the only mild mild commendation the location that they did have mm-hmm. defeat lose the title is one of the few places on the planet that that's going to get better pop than it would mm-hmm. because they don't know what the f's going on over there correct so they're actually like oh yay thank heavens yeah oh yay uh the guy that we know took the title belt off of that weird guy that we don't know yeah and here's the thing it's been done once before in history and it failed miserably goldberg as a heel is going to be really tough sell man and the thing is, I, my man. my hope is that they don't try to make him a heel. They just try to make him that champ. Face, face, main event. You know, that's there for a big main event. And uh, then Roman can beat him for the belt at WrestleMania. And Roman will get a cheer for taking the belt off the part-timer. And uh, then they can move on. They can have Bray feud with someone else. They can have Bray feud with Goldberg. Yeah, once he no longer has the belt. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. Um, like you said, they did it in about the only place in the world that they could do that without the fans just rioting. Without, yeah, without the fans in the arena going, oh. Um So, I mean, I, it's kind of a commendation. Um, it really, this is a, this is a four month long mistake that goes all the way back to the Seth Rollins match. Mm-hmm. Um, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, they booked themselves into this corner and they, they had to book themselves out some way. Um, yeah. And that's, they probably did it the best way they could, frankly. Uh, yeah. The only the f- other way would have... Traditional been- Bray Wyatt should have been the one in that match because he didn't have any beefs with Goldberg. And that's what blows my mind. Because that would have been the way to have him lose. Either lose to The Miz earlier on when he was just the feet, when he was just Bray. And then the Miz could take the loss to to Goldberg or something along those lines. That that those both work better than 
everything they've done so far. <laughs> Every time the Fiend is involved in a title match, they're messing it up, and so no, not the Daniel well, Bryan. And we we'd said it before, and we'll say it again: the Fiend does not need the belt, right? Just no. like the Undertaker basically never needed the belt. Yeah, would he have it like four, six times? Something He's a like six-time world champion at best. And usually when he lost it, there was a, a, a distraction. That's the other part. There was no distraction here. There was no... Yeah, that's no where... Reason. It was clean. I, I expected there to be some shenanigans. Uh, I think my, my fantasy booking for it was that there were some shenanigans. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there wasn't. Uh, it was a clean victory. But in the end... I, I think it allows them to kind of soft reset the Fiend character and have them not be directly belt-related. Um, have him be an agent of chaos like he's supposed to. Uh, out there just destroying people. Uh, no thank you, I don't need the belt. Yeah, actually him rejecting the belt early on would have been great. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's the, you know, almost a Medusa thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't want your belt. I just want to be, period. And you could have Bray be like, I, this is exciting. I have a new toy. And the team being like, not a toy. Throw it away. Yeah. But um, let's see. I'm on Undertaker's Wikipedia page just to see. Uh, How many times? Many times. Because, like you say, I was probably. I think uh, it's less. I, positive it's less than 10. Do, 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 world Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, three times heavyweight three champion. Times. Oh, wait. He was world heavyweight champion three times, but he was WWF, WWE champion four times. So seven All times. Seven times. Um, that's okay. I mean, and that's over a 30-year career. Yeah, that's kind of my point. It, I mean, I, I can't remember hardly any feud in WWE that were based around the belt for him. He uh, might have even... The one with HBK, but he lost that match. He might have had the belt in some of these feuds, but they weren't based around the belt. Right. The ones with uh, Brock, you know, they those were, were sort of. Because they were always based, like, I, I'm going after my brother Kane because he killed my family. Um... No, it turns out I killed my parents and blamed him for it. Oh, now yeah. I'm the bad guy. Uh, um, I'm with now DVD I'm the leader of the ministry. Or... or now I'm going after someone because they have my urn, and the urn is some way to control me, I guess, something. <laughs> uh, but then it's not. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like very few of them were based around I am going after the belt. Um, the belt might have been adjacent to it, but they weren't the the goal behind it. Um, when he came back as the American badass for that period of time, he could be his character could be a little bit more belt driven because now he's just a person. Um, but as long as he's the dead man, his character's not about I need the belt to validate my existence. And that's what Bray Wyatt should be. I don't need that belt to validate how badass I am because I'm the fiend. I destroy people. Yeah. And but anyways, we could go on for hours talking about how they've effed up the fiend. Uh, and and we'd still be in the same position that we are now. So, I think he's salvageable, though, still. I, I, well, I, think, I think this time he's more salvageable than the last time. 
well, once you take the belt off him, you greatly increase your chances of being able to salvage him. Because now, here's the, when you take the belt off him, you've got freedom now. You're not stuck in this, well, he has to win the match because he's the champion, right? You can have him actually lose a match because someone was able to cross a line that he couldn't cross, right? Uh, sure. Whether it's a, a um, last man standing match and the person pins him with a forklift, right? Uh, you know, things like that. But when he's got the belt, you, your creativity is kind of limited because you got to find some way for him to keep that belt. So taking that belt off him, I think, is the reset that he needs to be able to be the character that he needs to be, right? Um, but anyways, on that note, we'll probably just wrap this up. It took a little bit longer than I think we planned on it being for this uh, review cap sort of a thing. But it, once There's again, some I, things that we felt needed to be covered, though, so that's okay. But uh, I like I said at the beginning, if you have not seen AEW Revolution yet... Um, first of all, why did you listen to this whole thing? We just spoiled everything for you. That was poor form on your part. Uh, but second of all, go find a way to watch it. I'm not going to tell you about all of the streaming sites out there that I'm sure you can find if you uh, know the right way to search Google. Um, they're going to be up on streaming sites. Um, not YouTube. YouTube's really good about policing, but other sites, if you look, you can find a way to watch it, right? Um, eventually, they will post the matches, I'm sure, uh, because, you know, they want the them to be out there for the talking points, but they also have review uh, replays on pay-per-view that they're trying to sell right now. So yeah, buy it on the replay or find a way to watch it. But one way or another, if you haven't watched it yet, watch Revolution. It was worth it. Um, and then while you're out there looking for things to do, I mentioned earlier, we are part of the Tapnet Co. podcast network. So once you're done listening to this, first of all, make sure you've liked and shared this so other people can listen to it. But then head over to tapnetsco.com uh, click on the tab for network and uh, click on one of those other podcasts, whether it's Tatnus Uncensored, Chicken Hen with SM, or In the Dice Box Slam. Uh, click on that, listen to some episodes. In the Dice Box Slam actually features Nyla Rose from AEW. So uh, go listen to one of our sister podcasts um, and tell them that we sent you, and then come back in a few days for our fantasy booking uh, episode. Um, while you're out there looking uh, for things to do, you can also go to our Wix site. The link is going to be in the description, the notes for this show. It's also in a pinned tweet on my Twitter, at rawandorderwbu. So you can go there. You can download the Wix app, and that gives you a way to comment on my blog posts, read them on the go, and even uh, interact directly with me. So a uh, great way to do that as well. Um, and then we've got anchor.fm slash rawandorderwbu is our host site. You can go there, and you can click that support thing, and you can throw us a couple bucks to help us out in the long run. Every dollar goes to make this podcast better for you. So... Um, uh, so unless uh, DA Fabe has something else to say, we will probably close the book on this oh. episode of WBU. Yep. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.